Hello and welcome. Good to have you with us. You're listening to another nostalgic interview. This is Jack's Throwback Attack. So I have with me someone who worked behind the scenes on the original Crystal Maze show for the entire six series. It's David G. Croft. Hello. How are you, Jack? Not too bad, thank you. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. And it's 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 kind of you to call, and very I'm very very pleased that uh, that you're you're interested in the original shows. Yeah, it was one of my favourite shows growing up, and I'm still a massive fan now. In fact, last night I was actually even watching a couple of the old editions oh, right, for right. a bit of research. Okay. Um, so you worked on the show. What were your roles on the Crystal oh, Maze? Okay. Um, I I helped. Uh, I I was hired as the director, um, and I I was obviously I was hired before the first series was made. Um, and I was hired by Malcolm Hayworth, who owned Chatsworth Television, who were the company that were making the series for Channel 4. So my, uh, my involvement um, before a frame had been shot was helping develop the show, because when I got on board, um, there was an awful lot about the Crystal Maze that hadn't been worked out at all. Uh, so I was very pleased to be involved in helping to shape the format. Um, uh, and, and then, of course, I was involved as the director. I was involved in all of the pre-planning, uh, worked very closely with Malcolm Hayworth and James Dillon, who was the designer of the set. Uh, so the three of us worked very closely um, on the format. Um, and then, as I say, I had to plan the shoes, the huge logistics involved in the first series, which we shot in Shepperton Studios. Um, the set uh, for Crystal Maze was massive. It was probably the biggest entertainment game show set uh, ever built um, because it was a real set. It was a real four-wall set, um, and you could walk around it. Um, uh, so we, as I say, we built we built this in Shepton Studios, um, and so my obviously my my task was to direct the series, which of course is always a challenge for a, a director on a show you know that's never been made before. You encounter all kinds of problems and challenges, um, but it was it was you know it was fantastic fun. Um, and our schedule was such that we had five weeks to shoot 13 episodes. Um, of course, Richard O'Brien was presenting. Um, I then went on to pro- uh, direct series two. I then produced series three and four because I quite fancied having a rest from directing it. Um, but finally, the, the final two series, series five and six, I directed and produced them. Uh, so I was very fond of saying to people, I did absolutely everything on the Crystal Maze bar to present it. It sounds like you did. You had quite a big involvement. I, I did, and also, um, what, what, also I, I, uh, in in the early days leading up to um, Series 1, of course, I found myself also creating games, which was quite interesting because I'd never done that before. I mean, one of the big, big challenges of Crystal Maze was that each series, we had to create 48 games. 
which was quite a daunting task. Uh, and when I would sit in my office and look at a blank wall and think, oh my goodness, by the 1st of November, we've got to have filled that with 48 games. But yeah, I, I found that I could create, you know, I found that um, creating games for the Crystal Maze was something I could do. So I also did that along with several other people that would, you know, were part of the games creation team. Can you remember any of the games that you did create? Oh, gosh, no. It, it, oh, I can remember one. Yes, it was uh, stuck in my mind because we used it more than one series, and it was called Rat Run. Um, and it was a game where the cell basically was like, um, like a rat cage, and there were three floors to it, um, and there were like little ticking clocks inside, and the contestant had to climb in, scurry around the, the, the rat run, and to find the clocks to switch them off. That was one. Another one, another one I came up with. Sometimes, sometimes I would come up with games. I would go to the games builders. Now, the people who built all the games were a fantastic company called Artem. Um, and a chap called Simon Taylor were, were oversaw the building of the games. But sometimes I would go to Simon and say, I'd like to, I'd like to use a robot and a laser gun. Um, so, you know, sometimes you'd, you'd, I, I would start from a purely visual point of view. I, again, I remember saying to Simon once, I'd like to do a submarine game. Um, and then he would, he would often tell me whether this was possible or not. And if he'd said, yes, it was, then we would sit down and say, OK, so what's the game? Um, so it was great fun. It was great fun. And a lot of a lot of Crystal Maze games were based on because, you know, ga games, games are a little bit like jokes and stories. There's only uh, there's Jack, there's only so many of them. Um, and what we would often do is we would take a game um, and you might recall if you've watched them all, you know, and we'd upscale it. Um, so one game was one game I particularly remember, which was a good example of that was, you know, you can buy little cubes made out of like six pieces of wood that slot together in a certain way. Yeah. Um, well, we, we did that only we made the cube, you know, um, four feet high. Um, so we would do that too. We would look around. We would look around. It, it's like, do you remember there was quite a lot of tile sliding games? Yeah, there was, yeah. Well, that again, that's, you know, we used to get those when I was a little boy. We used to get those in lucky bags. And it was like, you know, here are the slides, here are the, here, here's this little uh, game. The numbers are all jumbled up. Can you slide the tiles around so the numbers read one to ten? So we would do things like that too. We were we were quite inventive, you know. But as I say, for forty-eight games a series was was a, was a lot to find. Definitely. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask as well was how did the show come about? Because the story I've read is that Channel Four wanted to do Fort Boyard but couldn't. Okay, that's you're you're quite right. And people sometimes get confused about this. So I'll tell you the whole story. All right. Now, when Malcolm Hayworth rang me up and said, uh, would you be interested in directing this uh, adventure game show? I said, yeah, OK, because I'd not long been freelance from the BBC. So I went to his offices and he showed me a version of Fort Boyard, which was shot in a studio. Richard O'Brien was presenting it, and I always remember Richard was wearing a yellow shirt and yellow, tight yellow trousers. 
and it was it was a version of Fort Boyard shot in the studio. Now the reason they had to shoot it in, in the studio was that the French company who had created the Fort Boyard format, they were going to shoot the series. Their intention was to shoot the series, which they did in the end in a in a fort off La Rochelle. All right. Problem was the fort wasn't ready or habitable to shoot. So Malcolm had Malcolm had bought the rights to this format, Fort Bayard, and he'd taken it to Channel 4, and Channel 4 had said, we're really interested. Malcolm had, Chatsworth had pretty much self-financed this pilot, all right? Um, and so he showed it to me, and I went, well, you know, it's, it's I'm kind of vaguely interested, but not completely. And I remember saying to him, have you, you've seen Fort Bayard, Jack? Yes, I have, yeah. Right, so you know you know at the end where they've got the tigers? Yeah. So I always remember saying to Malcolm, so what are the tigers for? Are you going to let the contestants be eaten by a tiger? He went, no. And I said, so what are the tigers for? So that's all show and dressing, isn't it? He went, well, actually, yes. I went, mm. So I was a little bit hesitant about committing to it because, you know, it was it was all right. But anyway... What happened was that uh, Malcolm Malcolm Hayworth then discovers that the fort is not going to be ready when Channel 4 wants the series to be shot, which was in November. Uh, So, of course, the prospect of trying to shoot on a fort in November and the fort isn't organized properly was like, no, we're not doing it, right? So Malcolm has a problem now because Channel 4 have said, we like this, we'd like you to make this series. So he goes back to Channel 4 and says, I don't want to make this series called Fort Bayard because they're not ready. How about we come up with something different? All right? You following me so far? Yeah. Right. So he rings me up and he says, come in, David. He says, look, we're not going to do Fort Bayard, but what we can do, we can create a version which is different, um, but based on the principles, you know, of six people going around and one person going into a cell and playing a game. So we go to the French and we have several meetings with the French. Um, and we talk about doing a version of Fort Bayard, which doesn't look like Fort Bayard, uh, but is based on their principles. Okay? So they agree... Because of course they're very they're very happy because they're still going to get the money for it because the you know whatever we come up with is going to be based on Fort Bayard. So at one of our meetings they say we've got something to show you, and we go okay. So we get in a car and we drive to an industrial estate in Paris. To uh, and and we get out the car and they open a warehouse door. And there is a crystal dome. He said, this is fascinating. What are you doing with it? They said, we don't know. We just built it to see if it would work, but we don't know what to do with it. So I think that was the germ of the idea. So we went back, Malcolm and I, and as I say, then we recruited James Dillon. And between the three of us, uh, and with some help from the French, we fashioned the format 
called the Crystal Maze. Um, but, uh, and it was our idea to have four zones and the different time zones and all of that stuff. So is that making sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, yes, we were a kind of offshoot. But, of course, the French said to us, whatever show you make has got to look sufficiently different to Fort Bayard um, uh, so that we can make Fort Bayard in, in, in Europe um, and you can make Crystal Maze in the UK and, and that they don't kind of look like the same shows even though they sort of are, all right? It's compl- I know it's complicated, it is, but that's what happened. So we, we suddenly decided, so we are now in a situation where we're making our version, it's called The Crystal Maze, it's all going to be shot in the studio and we dumped absolutely loads of things that were in the uh, Fort Bayard format. So there you go. Oh, thank you for letting us know and clearing that up. Yes, I know it is a little, and of course it gets very complicated because when Crystal Maze finally comes off the air and Channel Four no longer repeat it, guess what? They make Four Boyard in the UK with Melinda Messenger and Dirty Den. Um, so I had loads of people coming up to me going, "Wow, I've just seen Fort Bayard. It's like, awfully like Crystal Maze." And I would, you know, th- there are similarities to Crystal Maze, and I would have to, have to explain that actually the Fort Bayard format existed before Crystal Maze did. There were other things as well. That there, there were other restrictions on us. Um, the French were a bit tough with Chatsworth. Uh, one of the one of the agreements was that Crystal Maze could not be shown in Europe while they were making Fort Bayard. Um, So although I have to say lots of people from European television companies came to look at Crystal Maze and went, this is so much better than Fort Bayard, they weren't allowed to buy it. Um, So it was never shown in Europe. It was shown with great success in the Far East. Uh, In the the, the Indian subcontinent, they loved it. Um, Singapore, it was shown in places like that but it was never shown in, in Europe. That's a massive shame. Um, but the other thing as well that I wanted to ask, um, why was Richard O'Brien chosen to host, seen as he wasn't a TV presenter, he was an actor beforehand? That's precisely why we chose him. We did not want... You see, if I, I, have, I have a problem with the remake, which is that Richard Iwadi already has a personality. Um, we wanted an actor, not a presenter. We, we, Malcolm and I agreed that what the, what the host of the Crystal Maze was doing was they were being a character, not a presenter. Does that make sense? And that's yeah. why, also, we didn't want people watching it going, oh, that's that bloke from What's-A-Name. We wanted, to, we wanted the show to be as strange and unusual and different to the audience as we possibly could. So the last thing we wanted was a presenter where people would go, oh, yeah, he does that other game show. So that's why we got Richard. And, of course, Richard's talents as an actor, which were considerable, um, he was able to exploit across the four series that that he, he, he was the presenter. And it was the same process, I guess, uh, when you chose Ed Tudor Paul as well. Absolutely. So when Richard Richard decided after four series he wanted to leave, we tried very hard to dissuade him. Um, but he felt he had done enough. So we sat down and we said, well, 
the same principle has to apply. We need to get someone where the audience go, oh, who's that? Now, we we decided on Ed Tudor Pole because he'd been in a band called Ten Pole Tudor. They'd had one hit called Swords of a Thousand Men. So he was in a punk band. That was cool. But he'd never been on TV. You know, he'd never presented anything on TV. So again, he had, and Rich, um, and Ed was a trained actor. Um, so we did, we ran some auditions on the set. Um, we ran three auditions. Um, and Ed was one of them. And Ed turned up in his own, out, in the outfit that he used to wear, more or less. And he was an he was an absolute natural. So um, uh, you know, it was pretty obvious. Uh, it, it was pretty unanimous for us um, that that we should give him the gig. But you know, it was difficult because we were being at this at this stage we were being pressured now by Channel Four to get somebody who was well known, and we're going, no, you're you're still missing the point. We don't want someone who's well known because. You know, they're playing a part like a character in a play. So yeah. that was our logic. And a very good one. Well, thank you very much. I do. <laughs> I think we're. I think we were absolutely right to do that. Definitely. And you mentioned as well earlier on that um, Crystal Maze to begin with was was filmed at Shepperton. Yes. It moved to an aircraft hangar after a it, bit, didn't it? It it did. So so here's a story. So we've been commissioned for series two because Ch Channel Four, you know, it was a very expensive series to make, um, and and quite often, television series get a you know television series are given a second series before the first series is shot. Okay, that's quite that's quite often what happens. But we weren't. So we did series one. And they saw the audience figures and they very quickly said, OK, do a second series. So we rang Shepperton up and booked the same weeks. And then about um, probably about six weeks uh, before we were to start shooting, Shepperton rang up and said, sorry, um, you can't have uh, the stage. And we said, why? And they said, oh, well, we've got a movie coming in with Kevin Cosner called Robin, Prince of Thieves. And they are going to book all the stages on Shepperton. And that's so lucrative to us, I'm afraid we're kicking you out. Uh, so, of course, mild panic ensued in the production office. So what we did, we, we, um, we went to about you know, 65 estate agents in London and said, we need a big space. Um, and what we kept being shown were warehouses. Problem with warehouses is that they have pillars holding up the roof um, and pillars were no good to us. Um, and the great thing about, as you can imagine, the great thing about an aircraft hangar is there are no pillars in an aircraft hangar because, you know, because of the planes wings and we came across this guy i've forgotten his name now um so long ago mike and mike owned he actually owned an aircraft hangar um on north wheeled aerodrome and he used to keep bits of antique planes in there 
and we went out there and had a look and we went well hang on it's by the, it's right by the M11 it's on an air it's on an airfield do we think we might have some sound issues but the airfield Northfield is pretty much private so you know it doesn't get used very often and by the time we built the set the set was so dense we we never ever heard the motorway so that's how we moved to the aircraft hangar and the great thing about it was that was the guy who owned it was happy for us to leave the setup 12 months of the year Fantastic. which of course as Shepperton we couldn't do you know we had to take that massive set down and put it into storage so that's why it moved to its new home and we stayed there for the next five series great stuff that's a, a cool story yeah. um so how long did it take to film the show well it would take it would take five weeks so basically what would happen is um let me try and get this right now i'm trying to remember now so what would happen is we would shoot a show on a monday okay so that's with the contestants and richard or ed on the monday right then on the tuesday i would i would have uh, and we we basically shot the show you know with like six cameras and and a technocrane um on a tuesday i would shoot what were called pickups so those were extra shots that i couldn't get at the time all right but i didn't need richard or ed for that so they'd and i would only need one camera all right so that was show 1 then show 2 we would do on a wednesday and i would do pickups on a thursday show 3 we would shoot on a friday and do pickups on a saturday and then we'd all have sunday off so we were basically doing three shows a week so it took us it took us you know our production cycle our shooting cycle was 5 weeks for 13 shows and then and then of course they added a kids christmas special so it was 5 weeks for 14 shows so it was pretty demanding very demanding um and um the other thing as well um there was a, a big change in the fourth series of industrial going to ocean which i have to say was my favorite zone because i loved right. how that was designed and yeah. um, why did that come about well it, it i mean it came about the 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 we do, james dylan and malcolm and myself had always talked about how at some stage we'd introduce a new zone or zones um but of course we we knew it was going to be very costly um to be honest the impetus came from channel 4 because the show was being so successful channel 4 said said to to us hey uh, how would you like to take one of the zones out and put in a brand new one and we'll we'll give you the extra money for it so that's how it came about so of course what what we then the big challenge for us then was well what zone do we remove and what's the new one um so i think pretty quickly we agreed that industrial was the zone that we'd like to get rid of but then it took us a while to discover you know what kind of new zone we'd have um i seem to remember at one point there was you know we we were quite excited about a wild west zone um or a zone 
that would be in, um, you know, like, you, you know, these uh, scientific, at Antarctica and the Arctic, you know, they have these scientific enclaves. Yeah where scientists spend, you know, six months of the year, they can't even step outside the door. That was another thought. But in the end, I think we, we all got really excited by the idea of, you know, the sunken ocean liner. That, it, 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 it was always down to, you know, what did we think was going to be the most visual, what was going to give us the, you know, what, what was going to give us imagery for games. And so that's why we went for the sunken liner. And I think James Dillon did a fabulous job. Yeah, he did. It's my favourite zone. And do you have a favourite zone? Um, no. I know that sounds strange. I loved them all. Um, I loved them all, and they all gave me special challenges. Um, so no, they're like you know what? They're like children. You know, if you say, "Oh, what? Who's your favourite kid?" It's like, no, I'm sorry, they're my children. I love them all equally. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Um, I did read a rumour online that if the show had carried on after the sixth series, there'd been there'd be more zones added. Is this true? Well, yeah, I think I think that's the case. Yes, but why why the series came off? Um, I think you know I I don't know all of the politics. I mean, the show was still delivering figures. It was still doing, as we say in the industry, it was still doing the numbers. Um, but, of course, you know, back in the 1990s, that, that was a different era for television. Nowadays, if a series is successful, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. You know, we've only got to look at The X Factor and Strictly Come Dancing and The Apprentice. Um, back in the 90s... Um, Everybody was kind of, you know, much more confident, less worried about, you know, the, the demands of, of getting an audience uh, were not as great. You know, there wasn't satellite TV, there wasn't Netflix. So, you know, so the feeling that, the feeling that you could end a show, even if it was successful, um, was, was, was something that would enter commissioning editors heads they'd never do it now you know um so i think in the end it was a case of channel four i i my my understanding is that channel four said to chatsworth well you've done six series that's great we'd like to move on to something new so i think that's the case yes had we have gone on and i think we should have done we would have introduced um we would have introduced another zone i think we probably would have phased out Aztec, um, uh, but yeah, we we would have definitely. Um, so there you go. Well, thank you for clearing that up. And I agree, actually. I think it, it should have gone on a bit longer, but there we go. But I suppose you'd never have guessed when it finished that it would still be so popular now, and the old ones are still being aired, and we've got a revival on the on the air yeah, now. Yeah, I mean it's incredible, and it's one of the things. I have to say, you know, Malcolm and, and I are incredibly proud of the fact that, you know, we made a piece of television which, you know, 25 years on is still being watched. You know, most, you know, most television entertainment is ephemeral. It's made, it goes out, and that's that. But I'm, I'm very proud of what we did because I think, I do, I do think, 
I do think we planted a bit of a flag in the landscape, and and I think we did make something special. Um, and which which you know, as I say, I'm really proud of 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 that fact. Um, and I'm absolutely thrilled, as I know my uh, Malcolm is, that there's still an audience. And yes, I would never, ever, ever have guessed uh, about you know that 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 the reruns would still happen, um, and, and let alone that that they would make a new series. I mean, there were the over the over the intervening years um, after it came off the air, there were times when there were discussions about whether they could should bring it back um but uh you know they were they were never prepared to spend the the amount of money i remember being involved in discussions about oh let's do a kid, a kids crystal maze but only do three zones and it's like why would you want to do that um and we'd need to make two in a day which is kind of what they're doing now um and and I think the series, the new series, suffers for the fact that... But you see, this is modern television. Modern television won't give you the kind of money to to lavish the care and attention on something that we were allowed to do. You know, I know because I've been down and, and met the people on, new, on doing the new Crystal Maze who were lovely and, and are doing it for the right reasons and are fans, you know, but they're making having to make two shows a day. You know, it took me two days to make one show, and that, and it, and I think it shows on the screen, Jack. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the other thing as well, I, I forgot to mention earlier on. Um, were you aware that some of the Christmas tapes have made their way online, and uh, it features your amusing commentary over some of the games? Yes, um, um, I am very aware of that. And it, it's obviously some very naughty crew member um, who's put them up there. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell, I'll tell you about the Christmas tapes. Um, Christmas, Christmas tapes have been made by TV programs, you know, for, for a long time. It, 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 you know, in America they call them bloopers. So you put together the funny bits, and we had lots of funny bits. You know, things going wrong and stuff like that. And also the the crew oh, over six years, you know, the the crew we built up certain, you know, a certain number of sayings and shorthands about how we spoke and stuff. And yes, you know, um, my, my I think people on Talkback, the crew began to realise that often the stuff I said was quite funny. And then, unbeknownst to me, they started recording it. Um, but we would. We would make a Christmas tape. Not me. It would be the engineering department. They'd recall. They'd record all the funny bits, and they'd put it together. And then the, it, there became um, a ritual, which was when we had finished the last show, we would have what was called a rap party. And at the rap party, the Christmas tape would be screened, and then everybody on the crew would be given a VHS uh, of the Christmas tape. So whoever's put them up there, it's somebody who worked on the show. So, so yes, I am aware of it. <laughs> the thing is, the things that you, you say about the contestants is pretty much what the viewers were saying as well, so don't worry about no, it. No, I know, I know. But I, and, and again, I, 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 what was it? I think it was last year, 
somebody sent me a clip and I'm thinking like, oh God, this sounds like I'm being really unpleasant. It, it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, obviously I, I loved that show. Um, but yeah, sometimes the can, it's true. Sometimes the contestants drove me nuts because it was, particularly the one where the guy's picking up the skeleton, which has got nothing to do with the game. It's funny actually, because when I, when I spoke to my friend about Crystal Maze, that was one of the things he mentioned. He said, have you seen this on YouTube with the skeleton? Yeah. I was like, yes, I have. And I'm <laughs> which... speaking to the guy who is the one saying all that. Oh, well, I mean, and to, you know, and to be, and of course, there's a certain amount of, you know, with those comments, there's there's actually a certain amount of hidden tension, because of course, I'm wanting the game to go well, you know, Um, uh, and, uh, but it is funny, and I, I don't blame the contestant, because, you know, one of the things, one of the challenges, one of the challenges always in Crystal Maze was, you know, the contestants were told virtually nothing about, that was the whole point, virtually nothing about the game. So they'd step into the cell, and to be fair to them, they often didn't know what was part of the game and what was set dressing. So our poor skeleton, who was just set dressing, it's, it's, I was a bit disingenuous, really. I think I'd have done the same thing. I'd have thought, there's a skeleton, it might be hiding something. But it is funny. It is very, very. As long funny. as people don't, you know, don't take it the wrong way, because it was, it was meant with the best of intentions. No, no, no. I th- like I said, I think, I think we all made the same comments watching it. I know <laughs> I have in the past uh, watching yeah. the show. Um, so, uh, the show has uh, recently been revived. Um, yeah. d- have you watched much of it? Do you enjoy it? I've watched. I've watched two. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. They kindly invited me down with Malcolm to have a look which was very weird because James Dillon uh, has rebuilt the set. Uh, so it's very odd. I walked on industrial and I thought the last time I stepped on in this place was in 1994. That was very odd because it's, it's pretty much exactly as it was. Um, so we went down, had a look around, watched a bit of a recording. Um, and yeah, I've watched, I've watched three or four episodes Um you know, I think I've got obviously I've got very mixed feelings about it. Obviously, I'm delighted that um, they've brought it back, uh, um, uh, but you know, for me, you, you know, for me, there are things about it that that um, don't work for me, uh, but there are lots of things about it that do. I love its energy. I like the fact that it's it's quite, you know, it, it never takes the mickey out of the original series. Um, it's humour. His humour is is supportive humour, I think. Um, but there are things about it that it, that don't work for me. I don't think it has the visual scale that, that the original series had. Um, I think... Uh, I'm not sure it's an it's a good idea that the contestants know each other. Um, actually, I mean, again, one of the deliberate things with us was that the contestants didn't know each other until they met the night before. We felt that was an advantage, you know. We felt that put them under pressure. Um, and yeah, I think actually one of the things I've I, I have talked to them about whether they've done anything about it. Um, I don't think I don't think the sound is as good. You know, we we had atmospheres for each of the zones, um, 
and I watched the new Crystal Maze, and it sounds to me like it's in a studio. Um, so, you know, again, that may be just a function of the fact that they're having to make them really quickly, you know. Malcolm and I were great believers in 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 the soundscape that went with the show. You know, we wanted you to believe that you were in a strange place, you know, you, that you would suspend your disbelief and you would go to this place called the Crystal Maze, which you didn't know where it was, but that it was weird. And a lot of that came from sound effects and, and Atmos tracks and stuff like that. Um, and I don't think the new series is quite, you know, knocking it out of the park in that area. But, you know, good on them. Definitely. It is good to see it back, and I was what shocked. What do you think? What do you I, think of the new series? I think um, I'll agree with you on... It doesn't look as um, it doesn't look as big on screen. It doesn't have that grand scale to it. The one niggle I have is it doesn't really show them properly traveling between the zones. No, uh, it doesn't. Um, and that, I, I can I can uh, I I can I can answer one of I can give you an insight into why that is. Okay. And that, the insight is this: that when we made Crystal Maze in Shepperton and we made it in the aircraft hangar. All of the zones were joined up. That's why I said it was a fully functioning set. You could walk around it. So literally, you know, there was there was a moat um, which you walked uh, with a bar across it, which you had to walk across to get from medieval uh, to um, uh, to futuristic. There was a lift in futuristic that you ha- you went up, and there was a wall that you had to climb down to get into Aztec and so on. Now, you could we could only do that because the set was all laid out and James was able to join it all up. So I was able to shoot what we would call them crossovers. When, you, when we went from one zone to the next, I would deploy all the cameras on that and we would shoot the whole crossover. So you'd see it in real time. The new series is made in a studio in Bristol where they can't, James has not been able to join the sets up. So you literally see them go through a door and then that's it, cut, and then you see them coming out of a door into the new zone. So that's why, Jack. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a shame. But I said said to my friend, I said, surely you could build a fake tunnel and kind of fudge it with some editing but i suppose that's money and time it's and, money and time and in yeah. the end you know they'll be going oh who cares you know yeah um um uh, and it's true that it's true that some of the uh, i as i recall it in the original series you know some sometimes a, a commercial break would happen during the crossover so they've probably decided you know like you listen making making tv shows there's a certain amount of compromise you've got to do they found a studio it's available the price is right but it meant they can't join the sets up so they'll get around it so that's that that's the inside into why that is which is a bit of a shame really and i'll agree with you on them knowing each other because the one thing i think that's lacking with the new one is if um it's a load of strangers that you don't really care if they get locked in. There was a bit of, there was almost a bit of, um, oh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's like if you're friends with everyone and they get locked in, then straight away you're just going to go, you're just going to buy them, you're out. just going to buy them out straight away. And there's yeah. none of that, there's none of that jeopardy, there's none of that bitchiness, you know. There's none no, of that. I, in it. I, 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 
I agree with you. And I think, you know, I, I, we we really wanted we really wanted the captains to transmit you know to, to the audience that 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 there was strategy involved you know do i leave this guy in because if i do we've got an extra 5 seconds in the crystal dome this was a decision um and we wanted we wanted the audience to recognize that that was a strategic decision made by the captain so you're right you know with them being strangers it was easier for them to leave people in if if they were struggling for crystals Oh, it's fair enough, and and yeah, it happened a lot more in the old one, but it doesn't seem to in the new one. But yeah. it's it's good to see it back anyway. Um, the one other thing I was always curious about about the old set is what was the dome really in the centre? Yes. Oh, I it didn't was. think it was. It was it was in it was in it, on in their new studio. It's not, but on our studio, um, it absolutely was. James James built built the dome in in the middle of the four sets um but of course you know you you only part of you know i was only able to shoot 270 degrees around the the dome um because directly in front of it you know was a whacking great crane and and stuff like that but yes it actually was in the middle of the set I didn't. I didn't think that would uh, be the case because um, when you watch the show, it's it's like, oh, how would you have been able to have squeezed that in the middle? And yeah. when they run run out to the zone, uh, sorry, to the dome, they go for a door that geographically isn't in the the same place as it is. So I, I thought it'd be separate actually. But uh, thanks for clearing that up. No, that's fine. And and that is that is the one that is the one cheat that we always made. Whichever zone they ended up in. You know, when Richard said, right, to the Crystal Dome, they would run out of shot. Uh, and the zones weren't connected to the dome the way that the four zones were connected to each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because we, we just couldn't. We actually didn't have the space to, 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 you know, for me to show them going through a tunnel and coming out. Because if you remember... They run out of shot, don't they? And then we drop down, and then we find them lined up in front of in front of um, uh, in front of the dome. So, so yes, that's the one. That's the one geogra- geography cheat that we did make. Uh, so, since Crystal Maze has finished, I mean, I've had a look at your website. An impressive CV of stuff you've worked on. I mean, tell us some of the other shows you've worked on down the years. Oh, blimey! Well, I mean, I started I started off at the BBC in 1982 and and started music directing um um and i directed at the bbc i did things like um uh whistle test um i made uh music documentaries um i what else did i do um i was one of the three live aid directors in 1985 um it did lots of live music. Um, did programs with Michael Caine about acting. I did all kinds of things. Um, but then I went freelance. Yeah, I went freelance in 1988. So I've done things, lots of stuff. You know, I did comedy. I did shooting stars. Um, I worked with Jonathan Ross a lot. I did some sitcoms. Did a sitcom with David Baddiel. Um, did Top of the Pops 
in the 90s. So yes, a lot I did a lot of stuff. Um, but in I, after about 18 years of being freelance, I decided I wanted a, a some form of change. Um, I still love directing, but you know it was it was it's tough being freelance. You never know where your next job's coming from. Um, and somebody told me about this new role um, that there was a new uh, a new television entertainment course had started at the National Film and Television School. And a friend of mine said, you you should go for that job. That's, you know, you've got all the experience. So I applied and I got the job. So for the past 11 years, I've been running an MA course in directing and producing television entertainment here at the National Film and Television School. Um, and we're the only course of its kind in the world at MA level. That's what I'm doing. So I'm teaching you know, MA students, how to direct television entertainment, both in the studio and on location, and how to produce television entertainment, both in the studio and on location. Um, so that's me. I, I'm, you know, I like to think that my big range of experience as a director, you know, helps me um, uh, deliver a quality course. Uh, here at the school. So it's a two-year course, the MA course, two-year course. So I've been here for 11 years. Oh, fantastic. And uh, if anyone wants to check out what you're up to, have you got a website? Um, y- yes, I have. And um, I mean, the, the, I sort of don't put much on it these days, but it's, um, yes, it's www.davidgcroft.com. There we go. That's me. And you know, there's 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 an extensive range of credits. And, as I say, I don't I don't I I've I've stopped professionally directing now um, because I've been in this job so long, um, and directing you know as a freelancer is highly competitive, um, and unless you're out there all the time doing it, and gradually I, I I would still do stuff for the first five years, but gradually it dropped off as I knew it would do. David, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, and uh, thank you for taking part today. And uh, yeah, yeah, anytime, Jack, and good luck. Thank you very much. All right, bye. All right, bye bye. <laughs>